Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Now, some people may have a hard time with that. I do not. Because remember, while he's fully God, he's also fully man. He is, he is God and man rolled into one. And I, I really believe that if the spirit of God was upon John the Baptist at his, at an, at, in his mother's womb, so much so that he acknowledges Savior in the womb. <laughs> I, I know that the spirit of God was there with Jesus, guiding him and leading him and, and moving him away from the evils and the temptations of the world. So, so that at 12 years old, when his parents left the feast to go home, they looked up and couldn't find him and went everywhere looking for him. And they found him in the temple teaching. 12 years old. And, and you know, it's interesting how Jesus responded to that. He said, well, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know where I would be? That I would be about my father's business? But you know, his poor mama said, I don't know, I don't know. I don't, all I knew was I looked at him, you weren't there. <laughs> Bible said he went home and submitted himself to them. But at 12 years old, he's instructing the doctors in the temple and teaching the word of God and telling his parents, I must be about my father's business. Amen? Amen. Amen. I haven't met any 12-year-olds like that. And I've met some good ones too. <laughs> Praise God. But I haven't met any that are able to instruct preachers. I, although I tell you, I've met some preachers who need to be instructed by some 12-year-olds, but that's a different, that's a different matter. Amen. <laughs> but, but look, he is the only one who is perfect. And therefore, the only one who's capable of perfecting us. See, he is going to give us, he's already given us, really. His perfection just hasn't fully manifested yet, but he's already given it to us. So when we praise God, we're acknowledging, Lord, you are bigger than I am. You are better than I am. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud. Because you know what the proud are thinking? They're just as good as God is. You know, I've heard people say, yeah, I don't need all that. I'm thinking, you just proved that you really do need it. You know, I, I, I'm able to make it on my, I, I did all this. No, you didn't. You did it by the grace of God. You did it with the help of God. You, you, don't, you may not acknowledge that, but see, that's why Psalm 138 verse 6 says, the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. Because people who will acknowledge that they're not, as I said, that they're not all that and a bag of chips. You're going to have a bunch of busted chips all over the floor when you think you're all that. Amen. God regards the lowly. See, that word regards me is he's near to them. He looks upon them. Remember the two men who went up to pray and one said, Lord, I, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I tithe. I go to temple. I, I do. I'm, I'm not like these sinners over here. And another one said, Lord, have mercy on me a sinner. And Jesus said, that man went down justified. See? Says, but the proud, that same Psalm, 138 verse 6, the proud, he knows from afar. That word pride is in the Hebrew gaboa, and it means arrogant, full of self, lofty, looking down on others, like you are inherently better than other people. Like the guy said, I'm not like these sinners over here. Says God knows him from afar. In other words, he keeps his distance. Now look, God is everywhere, right? Amen. 
So bishop, what does this mean? He keeps his distance. It means he does not manifest himself or reveal himself to them. It's as if from their perspective, he doesn't exist because he, he, he doesn't do anything to acknowledge for them or to give them a reason to acknowledge his existence. He just leaves them alone. You know, God really is a gentleman. You know, you want God, here he comes. You don't want him, there he goes. He's not going to force himself on anybody. Amen. Amen. He, he is gentle. He is gentle like that. He, if you want him, he said, he who is hard is hard, I'll harden more. Well, well, but wait a minute, is that fair? Here's how God hardens the heart, moves away. Step back. And that trend will only accelerate. See, when God gives people up to a reprobate mind, as it talks about in Romans 1, all he's got to do is remove himself. Okay, that's the way you want to go. Have at it. And people will, they don't, they don't need God to lead them to destruction. They will destroy themselves. Amen. Are you all hearing me? Amen. Amen. So praise is an acknowledgement of our lowliness and humility and dependence upon God. Now, the Bible says we are seated together with him in heavenly places in the book of Ephesians. Says in a couple places, we are seated together with him in heavenly places, but the or elevated places, but we didn't seat ourselves. He did it. See, that's different. When you elevate yourself and you abrogate to yourself the status that you think you deserve and, and I should be recognized and I'm important, well, that's you exalting yourself. But when God exalts you and you just say, you know, like the book of Job says, you shall declare a thing and it shall be established for you, says, and when when you are cast down and you say it's in the, at the I think of the at the end of uh, Job 21, when you are cast down and you say exaltation. Well, that sounds like pride. But then it says he will save the humble person because you know what you're saying? I may be cast down, but the Lord will exalt me. The Lord will lift me up. Amen. I don't have to do that for myself. The Lord will do it for me. Matthew uh, 23, 12 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So praise is an exaltation of God and a humbling of myself. Lord, I'm nothing without you. Praise God, I'm not without you. <laughs> I can't do anything without you, but Lord, I don't have to try to do anything without you because I'm with you and you're with me. Amen. 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 And now, by the way, this is why Satan can't stand praise. He can't. He cannot stand it because he is pride itself. I will exalt my stars above the throne of God. I will sit on the sides of the north and preside, north and preside over the congregation. I will be like the most high. He's pride itself. And you know, pride is really self-deception because how deceived can you be to think you're going to overthrow God? I mean, think about that. Well, first of all, to think you can sneak around heaven and talk to angels and God won't know. I mean, so he, you know, he's so full of himself that he's self-deceived. And that's really what pride is. Pride is self-deception because it's giving to yourself a status that you really don't have. Amen. So he is a testament to the power of self-deception. So when we praise God, Satan can't stand it because he so desperately wants to be God. 
I mean, it, it, it pains him. Psalm 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and suckling infants, you have ordained strengths. The psalm says Jesus quoted it and interpreted it. You ordained praise. He was saying what's coming out of the mouths of those babes and nursing infants that produces strength is praise of almighty God. And then it goes on to say, because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. So God has made praise a spiritual weapon against the enemy. Amen. See, Satan looks for weakness, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, if praise strengthens, he hears praise, and guess what? He's going in the opposite direction. He cannot stand that atmosphere of praise that is created. I don't care whether it's in church or it's in your bathroom or it's in your living room or out in your backyard and you're praising God. Believe me, he's going in the opposite direction. Amen. You want to, the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee. How do you resist him? Praise God. Praise God and watch him run. Amen. Amen. Now look, that word strength in the Hebrew is the word boldness and power and might. See, out, out of, the, of the mouths of babes and nursing infants. By the way, babes and nursing, nursing infants doesn't just refer to young children. It refers to all of us who understand that compared to God, we are like babes. We are like nursing infants. We, 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 we are at our heavenly father's feet. And we, we, we are looking to him to bless us, to feed us, to help us, to lead us, to guide us. And when we praise, we become strong. See, we humble ourselves unto him and we become strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And that, that, that word ordained is the word foundation or to establish. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have laid the foundation of strength. You have established strength in your people so that they can silence the enemy and the avenger. God has made praise a spiritual weapon. Satan can't stand it. He can't, he can't deal with it. Amen. That's why, now here's an important point that you want to remember. That's why you must learn to praise God on purpose. So let me just disabuse you of something right now in case there's anybody here who doesn't understand this. Praise is not about how you feel. No, praise is not. I just got a new car. Praise the Lord. Nothing wrong with praising God. You just got a new car or, or, or something good happened, whatever it might be. Nothing wrong with praising God for that. Nothing wrong. You should. You should praise God for it. But you ought to praise him with or without it. You don't, you don't wait till you feel like it. Amen. You, you praise God on purpose because you know it strengthens you. You know it helps you. You know, you know it's, it silences the enemy and the avenger. Well, Bishop, I know I don't always feel like praising God. Well, time to grow up. Amen. Time to grow up. Amen. Time to grow up and stop giving your feelings preeminence in your life. Amen. I said, if you got if, if you if you got to grab your mouth and make a smile. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You do what you need to do. Amen. But you praise God. Amen. See, do it intentionally. You know, don't don't let your feelings dictate whether you praise God or not. It's not about your feelings. It's about your faith and knowing that praise is powerful. It strengthens you. It weakens the enemy's efforts against you. And so you need to learn to practice it. In fact, 
you know, I'm convinced that this is what the Lord spoke to me. And, and those of you who prayed with me privately, for that matter, in church, you know, I always open prayer with praise and thanksgiving of God. I never ask God for something without first just praising him and thanking him and loving on him. But you know what God said to me? If my people would spend more time in praise, they'd have to spend less time in petition. Amen. Because what happens when God comes near, he brings all this stuff with him. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And you know, look, and when your children love you, when my children were, were young and, and, you know, they, they would, would climb up in my lap, my daughters would put their arms around me, Daddy, I love you. I'll tell you what, I, it'd be like, what do you want? I'll, I, listen, I'll go lasso the moon for you. Because you, you, you love getting that affirmation, amen? Well, you know, God responds the same way. He loves us and he loves it when his children love on him. And so when you praise God and the enemy's stalking around you looking for a way in, man, you, God comes in and, 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 and manifests himself. The enemy's going in the opposite direction, amen? Now, I'm going to share something with you that I've never shared before. Um, and when I say that, my, but you, you should, the camera ought to be on my wife right now. Because when I say something like that, she looks like, uh-oh. <laughs> I, either, I either get that or I get, how many times are you going to tell that story? <laughs> but, I, but this one I've never told before. Now, you all have heard me tell the story about my, my conversion, my salvation, how I started reading the Bible. I wasn't going to church. I wasn't going to any prayer meeting. I wasn't under any pastor. But I started reading the Bible and started to come under conviction. And I talk about how when I got to David, and, and ladies, you, some of you probably heard me say this, because I was one of these guys. My wife come home. I'm sitting in the living room, feet propped up on the coffee table, beer in my hand. I look at how much of my money you give that preacher today. I, I mean, really, I just, I was not, she would try to get me to go to church. I say, look, I got, I got important things to do. That was my attitude. You know, I, church is good for women and children. We men have other things that we've got to do. And um, I, I got to, I, I started, I read the Bible, re reading it from cover to cover, started in Genesis, got to the Psalms, and started reading the Psalms of David. And man, I mean, David was an impressive man. He was no effete man. He was, he was a man's man. I mean, a fighter, a warrior, you know, I mean, he would even look even apparently David wasn't a guy of big stature and Eliab apparently was a very big guy. And when David went out there at the camp where Goliath was across the camp screaming and yelling and Eliab in the background, you know, where he was really needed. And, and David comes up and said, well, what, what's the problem? They, you know, they told him about Goliath. He said, well, well, I fight him. And his brother's like, boy, go back home and tend sheep. I mean, what are you doing here? And David said, is there not a cause? Now I can see Eliab looking down, what? What are you going to do, pipsqueak? But David said, where's the king? <laughs> let's, let's, I mean, this, this guy is actually defying the armies of the living God? Who does he think he is? I mean, so this, David was no joke. Amen? He was no joke. And see, I'm thinking to myself, man, now, now, we're, now, man, this, this guy, this is my kind of guy. And then you read about how he talked about God. So tender, 
so loving. I mean, so caring, so, so intimate. And this is what I've never told you before, because I, I frankly, I hadn't thought about it until I was preparing this. And so I'm saying, I'm not saved, right? I'm not saved. I'm not going to church. I'm not doing any of that, but I'm searching. I'm looking. And so here's what I'm saying. Well, well, if David praised God like that, maybe that'll work for me. If, if God said he was a man after, after his own heart, and I said, well, we know that that wasn't about killing Goliath because when David got ready to build the temple, God said, no, you got blood on your hands. So we know God wasn't impressed with that. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, David, you're such a warrior. He said, no, you got blood on your hands. I'm going to use your son to get that done. And we certainly know it wasn't about his interaction with Bathsheba. But David was a man of praise. I mean, think about that. That's what distinguishes him from other heroes in the Bible who were fighters. David was a man of praise. Oh, God, you are my God. That psalm has been with me all my life, all my Christian life. You are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. I mean, this is an Old Testament saint. I will lift up my hands. You can't even get New Testament saints sometimes lift up hands to God. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. I mean, I could just see David singing and praising God. So when I think of you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you've been my help. In other words, David said, Lord, when I lay my head on my pillow, I'm thinking about you. Because you have been my help, therefore, under the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. I mean, David was a man of praise. Amen. Remember, he, in fact, he got himself in trouble with his wife when the, the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back in Jerusalem and David came dancing in front of the Ark with a linen ephod on. I mean, just dancing and praising God. And his wife, Michelle, looked at him and said, what, what is wrong with you? You shame yourself in front of all these women. And David said, I'm, I, I will play before my God. Hallelujah. David didn't back up not one, not one iota. See, we, we think of the hair that Samson had, but we often don't think of the praise that was so critical to David's life. You want to be strengthened? Here's a perfect example. Follow this man for whom praise was so critical to his life and to his success. Remember, even when he fought Goliath, what did he say? You come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the armies of the God of Israel. I mean, he put God right out front. Amen. Amen. And, and, and listen to David. Um, I will bless the Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul. I mean, think of a man like that to write such words. My soul shall make it. And look, he wasn't even born again. Because nobody was born again until Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Nobody was born again until the day of Pentecost. This man was not even born again. The Holy Spirit was not indwelling him. He was simply with him. 
We have a better covenant based on better promises. And here this man saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, in other words, good times and bad times. And his praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble, now look, here again, humility. Not my soul shall make its boast in me. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. He said, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles. Look, he's not talking about somebody else. He's talking about himself. And this is the wealthy man. He said, this poor man. I don't have anything without God. This poor man cried out. And the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles. They looked at him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him and delivers him. Oh, taste and see. That the Lord is good. <laughs> Blessed is the man who trusts in him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. In other words, those young lions have got that lion mama to get food for them. Said, but those young, David said, but those young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, bless the Lord. Psalm 103. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And forget not all his benefits toward me. He forgives all my sins, heals all my iniquities, heals all my diseases, redeems my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. That's David. And I thought to myself, well, if that drew God, Maybe it'll work for me. And before I got saved, before I actually came to God, I started reading the Psalms. I think that's one of the reasons why I know so many Psalms today, because I started reading the Psalms to God. Because, you know, I'm thinking, well, if you're real, show me. And I would read the Psalm, Lord, you are my God. I would read them like I wrote them. And, and, and that went on probably for about two months. And you all know when the Lord decided it was time to manifest himself, it wasn't some little, yeah, I think I'll make a decision for Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it was like he blew the garage doors off and came in there. It was like, you've you been looking for me? Here I am. I said, okay, okay, Lord. I'll tell you what, blew the garage doors off so bad that my wife thought I lost my mind. Because I woke up one morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Wait, 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 wait. The one who's asking me how much of my money I gave the preacher? You what? I said, I'm going to church. Yeah, I'm going to church on Sunday. Where have you been going? I said, you ain't going with me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but saints, I've never told you that part before, but I really believe God reserved that for this moment so you could see the power of praise. See, I really believe that what was happening was God was inhabiting my praises. He saw that I was sincere. He saw that I was looking for him and he made himself known to me. That's why I tell people, you know, I hear about people, they used to be Christians. I said, well, they, how, they never were. Because listen, I found a savior and he's sweet, I know. You can't convince me to go somewhere else and go to something else. And go, you know, listen, Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door and they run. I walk out and start preaching to Jesus, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I actually had, there, were, there was a little trainee with one, one guy one time, and I stepped out and started talking to him about the love of God and what God had done in my life. He said, come on, Johnny, let's go. I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. 
They must have told somebody something because it was like the FBI pulled up in an in a SUV. Get in the car. Get in the car. <laughs> Amen. They could not stand the power of that praise. They couldn't stand the power of the anointing of Almighty God. Amen. 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 And that's what Satan can't stand it either, saints. He can't stand it. Make praise a regular and consistent part of your life. Do it often. Do it daily. Do it several times a day. You don't need to wait until you, you don't need to, I'm, the next month I'm going to build an altar in my house. And, uh, and as soon as I get that built, I'm going to spend three hours a day. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Amen. I mean, you could do that if you want, but you're probably not going to go in there much. Start now. I mean, when you're walking from your car to the place where you have a job, you can praise God. When you're sitting at a red light, you can praise God. You don't need some special place, some special moment. I mean, nothing wrong with that, mind you. But, but don't wait for that. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. All times means all times. Don't wait for some special moment, some special time, some special dispensation. Just praise him. Amen. Amen. That old song says, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around and planted my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. You don't need a special moment. Do it anytime. And I'm telling you, if you will take this to heart, it will strengthen your spiritual life. It will strengthen your relationship with God. You will have a new intimacy with him if you will just begin to praise him. And listen, don't wait. Don't feel like, well, I'm embarrassed. And, you know, I'm not one of those people who, who is all expressive. Well, listen, do it in your closet where there's nobody but you and God. You can't be embarrassed to express it to him. But I'm convinced of this. You start praising God in your secret closet. When you come to church, you'll be praising God without you won't even think about it. But hey, people be looking at you. Oh, I didn't know you did that. <laughs> yes, sir. All the time. You know, I, I've had people say to me, oh, man, I, I tell you what, I just really appreciated that prayer. How did you learn to pray like that? And I tell them. Practice talking to the friend I talk to every day. See, it's not, it's, somebody says pray, I don't think, well, I'm not used to praying in public. I, now, I'm not knocking anybody who has that feeling, but you start getting into a re relationship with God like that, and I guarantee you what's going to happen is you're not going to care what people think. Uh, Bishop, I, I don't know how to pray like you. Who cares? God's not listening to see whether you pray like me or like somebody else. I mean, that's part of the problem in the church. You know, we, we've gotten to a point where this ritualistic, oh, God, who sits high and looks low and who leans out of yonder window. And, I mean, please. I mean, that's not, that's not talking to your father. Amen. That, that's just ritualistic stuff that people think sounds good. Sister Jackson and I, when we first got back to church together, because I went and got saved that Sunday, and then we went a few weeks later and found uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church where my pastor, Reverend Dr. Rafe Taylor was. There, was. there was somebody there at the time, and I am not exaggerating. I am not exaggerating. He would get up to pray, and he prayed the same prayer every time, verbatim. 
Now, the thing is, you, he mumbled a lot, so you couldn't understand everything he said, but what you could understand was the same thing he prayed last week. <laughs>